turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. City WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre-recorded. God is going to save and then set apart 144,000 people from the tribes of Israel. In other words, they're Jewish people. This is not Jehovah's Witnesses, as they claim. This is not any call. This is Jewish people. And the, the sons of Israel are the sons of Israel. Physically Jewish people. 144,000 Jewish people are going to be saved and then set apart. This is not all of the Jewish people who will be saved. In fact, there will be a national repentance on Israel's part towards the end of the tribulation period. But 144,000 are going to be set apart, saved and set apart, and supernaturally protected and preserved. They will live throughout this time period. Why? In order to accomplish the task that God has called them to do, and that is the task of world evangelization. topic of the 144,000 Jewish evangelists who will be set apart during the tribulation is very interesting. You know, I've, I've wondered how they will know who they are and how they're set apart to share the gospel. Those are not questions we will be able to answer on today's Verse by Verse program. But Pastor Steve Kreloff will be teaching what the Bible says about who will be faithful witnesses during the tribulation period and how the gospel will be proclaimed. So perhaps another question we could ask about this group of soul winners is this. How many people will come to Christ because of their witnessing? We don't know that. The Bible doesn't give a number. The Bible refers to a great multitude. This is a fascinating topic that Pastor Steve is going to unfold today. So let's jump right in to today's Verse by Verse. And it will be proclaimed because the light shines brightest when it's often surrounded by the darkest hour. And the nations of the world will hear it. Now, how's he going to do it? Persecuted believers are only part of the process. Let me explain a number of ways in which this is going to happen. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 7. And we, we really have to go back and forth with Revelation. The reason I'm taking time for this is that there's a lot of confusion as about this and will there be believers in the tribulation period and, and what about those who are left behind? Does there ever come a time where people can't accept things? The age of grace and does that mean that no one can accept? I want you to understand some things, so we're going to take our time and go through this. Revelation 7, let's look at 1 through 4. John says, After this I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, so that no wind should blow on the earth or on the sea or on any tree. In other words, he's holding back judgment. Judgment is being held back. And I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun, having the seal of the living God. The seal was to preserve and protect. 
and to show ownership. And he cried out with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the bondservants of our God on their foreheads. So he says, listen, no judgment. We don't want anybody dying until I put this seal upon certain people. And who are these people? Verse 4. And I heard the number of those who were sealed. And remember, a seal is for protection and preservation. 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. Now let me explain. God is going to save and then set apart 144,000 people from the tribes of Israel. In other words, they're Jewish people. This is not Jehovah's Witnesses, as they claim. It's not any call. This is Jewish people. The sons of Israel are the sons of Israel. Physically Jewish people. 144,000 Jewish people are going to be saved and then set apart. This is not all of the Jewish people who will be saved. In fact, there will be a national repentance on Israel's part towards the end of the tribulation period. But 144,000 are going to be set apart, saved and set apart, and supernaturally protected and preserved. They will live throughout this time period. Why? In order to accomplish the task that God has called them to do, and that is the task of world evangelization, of sharing the gospel. That's why you jump down to verse 9. You'll see this. After these things, I looked. After the people sealed, 144,000 have been sealed, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. Where did these people come from? These are, these are the results of the worldwide evangelistic efforts of 144,000 Jewish witnesses. John said, I, I looked and I was shown a picture of the future of, of a large number, a large number of people. Notice what he says, no one could count it. And these are not just Jewish people, but Gentiles as well, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tribes. Someone asked me last week, will Gentiles be saved during the tribulation period? Absolutely. Will Jewish people be saved during the tribulation period? Absolutely. Will a lot of people be saved during the tribulation period? Absolutely. Of course they will. This is amazing in light of the fact that at the beginning of the tribulation period, you know how many believers were on the earth? Zero. Church is raptured. No one begins as a believer into the tribulation period. And here's a number that John said no one could count. That's amazing. So the first way that the world is going to hear is through the 144,000 flaming Jewish evangelists, little Apostle Pauls, running around the world, sharing the gospel. You know, I remember when we were in Israel... Thinking about this, we were on the Mount of Olives, we were, we were talking about this very thing, and do you realize that if you are a citizen of Israel, you don't know just one language, you know many languages. Our good friend Zvi uh, knows about five or six languages. It's not uncommon in Israel for them to know two, three, four languages. How is the world going to hear the gospel? Through 144,000 multilingual flaming Jewish evangelists. Second way, Revelation chapter 11 speaks and refers to two special witnesses. There'll be two witnesses, Jewish witnesses, sent by God. I take it that they are Jewish. I really shouldn't say that. But I guess, yeah, I guess they are because it's in the context of Israel. They will have the ability to do supernatural wonders. Many people think that they will, this will be Moses and, and Elijah come back. Uh, it's possible. It doesn't have to be. And the reason they say that is because the miracles that these men will perform are very similar to what Moses and Elijah did in the Old Testament. Don't worry about that. That's not, that's not the point. 
The point is, they will have the ability to do supernatural wonders, and out of their ministry, many will believe. Notice verse 7. And when they have finished their testimony, the beast that comes up out of the abyss, that is Antichrist, will make war with them and overcome them and kill them. This will be about the halfway point in the tribulation. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is mystically is called Sodom and Egypt, where also their Lord was crucified. In other words, he's going to kill them and for some hideous reason leave their bodies in the streets and that's going to be Jerusalem. That's where the Lord was crucified. And those from the peoples and tribes and tongues and nations will look at their dead bodies for three days and a half and will not permit their dead bodies to be laid in a tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry, and they'll send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. It's sort of like a perverted Christmas time. They died, let's send gifts to one another, and let's celebrate their deaths. That's what will be going on. Verse 11, And after the three days and a half, the breath of life from God came into them, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell upon those who were beholding them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they went up into heaven in the cloud, and their enemies beheld them. And in that hour there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. A tenth of the city of Jerusalem was going to fall. And 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake, and the rest were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. I take it that those who were terrified are going to be saved, because they give glory to the God of heaven. And they realize what's happening. You're going to see in the book of Revelation that there are a lot of, of very supernatural things that will be going on that do not ha- they don't happen today. They don't really happen. We don't see some of these things happening, but they will then. Tremendous satanic activity, tremendous uh, uh, activity upon God's part as well. So the second way is through these two witnesses are going to be sharing the gospel and many will believe through them. Then Revelation chapter 14. And this is just absolutely supernatural. There's nothing that we can even relate to this. Uh, I remember a few years ago as I went through the book of Revelation thinking about how much supernatural uh, stuff's going to be going on. And we just can't relate to it, but it is the, the Word of God and it has to be taken in a, in a normal, literal sense. Chapter 14, verse 6. And I saw another angel flying in mid heaven, having an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth and to every nation and tribe and tongue and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made the heaven and the earth and sea and springs of water. So apparently, uh, well not apparently, it says that, that an angel is going to proclaim from the mid heavens the gospel, the gospel is fear God, come to Christ, believe on Him, whatever. Proclaim from heaven a supernatural gospel proclamation. Everybody's going to have the opportunity to hear. And the fourth way in which the world is going to hear the gospel will be through persecuted gospel witnesses, tribulation saints who will stand before judges, and we're back now to Mark 13, stand before judges and stand before, before uh, human authorities and they will have the opportunity to state their belief. This will be great opportunity. That's what Jesus said, be alert. Now, before we go any further, I, I want to pause to consider some important truths that relate to, to this. Relate to the fact that there will be contempt for believers and God is going to use that contempt to have the gospel proclaimed all through the earth. Number one, the fact that so many people are, are going to be saved during the darkest hour of mankind reveals that our God is a gracious and merciful God. He doesn't have to do this. He could say the day of, of grace is ended with the church age, and that's it. And now I'm judging. But in the midst of judgment, there is always mercy and grace. And that reveals the heart of our God. He doesn't want people going to hell. He doesn't want people dying in their sins. He hates their sins, but he loves the sinner. 
God wants people to come to know him. You see, God's grace does not end with this age. People will have the opportunity to trust Jesus Christ during the tribulation. You know, that's a pattern with God. Remember when, when the uh, Israelites came to, to Jericho? Rahab was saved. Rahab was saved while God judged Jericho. God is a merciful, gracious God. Remember uh, Noah and his family saved while God judged the rest of the world. God's heart is a, is a heart of mercy. Heart of mercy and grace. Which leads us to a second point. The way people will be saved during the tribulation is the same way that you and I are saved today. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. Uh, many people are confused. Many people wonder, well, wait a minute. I, if the church isn't here, who's going to witness to them initially? Listen, I, I know this may be a shock to us, but God doesn't need our witness. We have been chosen as his plan to witness, but God is very capable to simply use his word. It is always the word that brings people to salvation anyway. And, and I'd like you to turn to Daniel chapter 12. This is fascinating. It is the word of God. And we thank God that he chooses to use us as we proclaim the word. But if we're not here, the word of God is still sufficient. It is the power of God unto salvation. It's revealed in the gospel. Daniel chapter 12. This is so interesting. Daniel is told, this is just after Ezekiel and before Hosea, verse 4. But as for you, Daniel, conceal these words and seal up the book, that is the book of Daniel, until the end of time. Many will go back and forth and knowledge will increase. Daniel is told to seal up his book. Why? So that it would be safe and it would be preserved for a future generation. Notice he says... Seal up the book until the end of time. The end of time is the tribulation. That doesn't mean we can't look at it before, but preserve it because it is specifically addressed and dealing with those people who will be in the tribulation period. So, so Daniel, preserve it until the tribulation period. The book of Daniel is to be preserved for those who will live in that hideous time. Why? Because during the tribulation period, people are going to want to know why such terrible events are happening. That's why he says knowledge will increase. It doesn't mean that there will be more books in a public library. It doesn't mean that there will be uh, CNN news that will give you information 24 hours a day. What, it mean, what he means is that people, there will be a renewed interest in prophecy. In fact, I believe what he's saying here is that the Jewish people will have, in the tribulation period, a renewed interest in the prophetic scriptures. And since they don't believe the New Testament is the word of God, they're not going to go to the book of Revelation. But they will go to the prophet Daniel. Knowledge will increase. They'll have a renewed interest in prophecy. And they'll want answers to their questions. Who is this Antichrist? And, and uh, why is there a peace treaty? And, and oh, I see that Daniel said it would be broken. And uh, Daniel said there'll be a, a temple. And knowledge will increase. They'll go back and forth. Why? They'll go back and forth searching for answers. It'll almost be like they can read their newspaper and go back to the scriptures and read their newspaper and go back to the scriptures and see these things coming together like you and I cannot. We can only speculate on how these things will happen. They'll ask questions that Daniel's book will answer. And I'll tell you what else Daniel's book will answer. If they keep continue reading in Daniel's book, they will come to an understanding that Jesus is Messiah. Daniel chapter 9 is perhaps, from a Jewish standpoint, the clearest statement of Messiah's coming. So even though the church will be gone and the Holy Spirit won't be restraining evil like he once did, he will still be active in convicting people and drawing them to salvation, just like in Old Testament days. That surprises and throws a lot of people, and they wonder, how could people be saved now? 
Well, they were saved during Old Testament days and they'll be saved then. Another truth. If people are going to trust Christ during the tribulation period, and they will, then it only makes sense that some of them will have previously heard the gospel during the church age. Isn't that interesting? Possibly some of the very people you've witnessed to who have rejected Christ and maybe turned you off and turned the gospel off will enter that tribulation period and it will click in their minds and they'll be able to put things together and say, my friend is not here. He told me about the rapture. He told me about Christ. I need to really consider this. This is true. So what does that say to us? We're to be faithful. Faithful in witnessing. Don't just witness to people who embrace everything you say. Witness to people. Be faithful even if you meet with continual opposition and resistance. Now, don't be obnoxious, but don't, be, uh, don't retreat either. I think this is one of the reasons why we're seeing so many Jewish people come to the Lord in recent years. You may not be aware of that, but that is phenomenal. Why, in our church alone, there's at least 10 Jewish believers. That's a very high number in comparison with a number of years ago. When I first came to to Lakeside as a freshman or as a sophomore uh, student from the University of South Florida, I think I was the only Jewish person, only Jewish believer. And these people, Jewish believers, are witnessing to their parents, their families, their relatives, their friends. They may reject the Messiah now, but some of these will enter into the tribulation period. And it will click in their minds as the Spirit of God works in their hearts. They've had some exposure to the gospel. They're going to put things together, and they're going to come to know Christ. So be faithful. Be faithful and proclaim the truth. You see, God is preparing Israel for a day of national, uh, national acceptance of Jesus as Messiah. And God is preparing the 144,000. Maybe that some of your friends and your relatives may be part of that 144,000. I know some, sometimes that is hard to imagine. And I think of some of the people I've spoken to about the Lord, and you think, them part of the 144,000? But it may very well be. Another truth. The persecuted believers of the tribulation will be greatly used of God to advance his word. Why? Listen to this. It's an eternal principle because the word of God flourishes in adversity. God's word always flourishes in adversity. In Acts chapter 8, we're told that that persecution hit the church. But what happened after? The Bible says they were scattered everywhere preaching the word. They went everywhere preaching the word. You read the book of Acts, and the Bible says specifically in Acts chapter 12, verse 24, in spite of persecution, but even in spite of persecution, the word flourished. That's an eternal principle. Why does God's word flourish when believers are persecuted? Why doesn't it just, you know, be stamped out? I mean, that's the intent of the persecutors. That's why persecution happens. People want to destroy God's people, but instead, they, it, it actually purifies us. Do you realize that? It actually purifies us. Persecution encourages the spread of the gospel because it sobers up believers. It's a good thing. Persecution sobers up believers. It deepens our commitment. It helps us to rearrange our priorities like nothing else does, and it weeds out the hypocrites and those who make false professions of faith in Christ. You know what? It weeds out the hypocrites because they are not going to handle the heat of persecution for a Christ they don't love. They're not interested in, in handling persecution. They don't even care about the Savior. So it weeds them out. I mean, if persecution were to begin tomorrow in, in Clearwater, how many would show up next Sunday if it might cost you your life? I mean, persecution is a sobering effect on us. It was the church father Tertullian who said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. You kill people for the faith and the Bible and the word of God flourishes. That's, that's what's happened in communist Russia. And China. 
Persecution also testifies to unbelievers of the reality of our faith, which often doesn't make much of an impact on people until we go through a severe child, a, a, a severe trial, which could be in the form of a, of a child dying, of, of illness, of some type of problem. And then unbelievers who don't see us waver in our faith but only be strengthened in it say, you might have something there. Talk is cheap, but I see the reality of your faith. So what are we saying? Let's, let's just sort of tie this together. Don't become soft in a self-indulgent world. You and I may suffer persecution today. You don't have to wait for the tribulation period because we suffer in this church age. Don't become soft in a self-indulgent age. Don't avoid persecution and agree with everybody and compromise because you don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers. Welcome it as a purifying agent and instrument from God. It is not great when Christianity becomes socially acceptable. We, we love to think that. We love to think that if we can just get in the government and, and everything will be fine, that's not great. That usually leads to a very lukewarm Christianity. It's when the world opposes us that the gospel flourishes. Under persecution, we flourish. Jesus said that one of the signs before his coming was an intense contempt for believers. Shown by the world, great contempt for us. But this contempt will actually be used of God to bring about his program. You know what that tells us about God? He is sovereign. He is absolutely sovereign. Man does all he can to stamp out the gospel, and God uses man's evil to bring about the flourishing of the gospel. I mean, I'm, I'm just amazed at that. The sinful efforts of man will not destroy the sovereign purposes of God. He's going to use them. He's so sorry he's going to use man's sin to, to further his program. I mean, that is thrilling. Because the same sovereign God is, is in charge of your life and my life and the events of it. He's in full control. Even in the tribulation, he's in full control. And he's in full control now. Now, before persecution ever hits, are your priorities in order? Many of us are really fat cat Christians. We really are. Just enjoying our creature comforts and, and living for pleasure, recreation, and fun. And it's not wrong to have pleasure. It's not wrong to have recreation. It's not wrong to, wrong to have fun. But it's wrong that that's a priority in life. It's wrong that that's what we live for and that's what we can't wait for. That that is, is what governs us. We really could use some persecution. You know that? I mean, I, I challenge you to pray for persecution in, in your own life so it can shake us up, sober us up, and purify us. Help us to see what life is all about. That we live for God's glory and, and not our own pleasure. Now, some seated here today may enter the tribulation period. If, it were, if the rapture were to occur in, in uh, a few days, weeks, years, we don't know when. But you could enter into that horrible time. You don't need to. You can come to know Christ now and you need to consider that. And you don't need to think, well, I can put it off because I may, uh, I'll have a chance during the tribulation. You don't know that. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. Scripture says, don't harden your heart. If you hear the gospel, you understand that you know you're a sinner, you need Christ, don't put it off. It's only by God's mercy and grace that you even take another breath. You may not live out today, so don't delay. Let's bow for prayer. Our brethren in the tribulation period will endure such horrible persecution. Many of them will be beaten. Many of them will die. We'll see next week that many of them will be betrayed by their own family members. What does that say to us? It bothers me that 
we're so comfortable. It bothers me that if somebody is rude to us, we think that that's serious persecution. That's not serious persecution. You need to live for Jesus Christ. You don't need to seek out persecution. Just live for Christ and it'll come to you. Are your priorities in order? Do you realize that life as we know it will soon be, be gone? And eternity will be before us. If the rapture were to occur today, would you have to change anything? If you knew it was coming, would you have to change anything in your life today? You ought to be able to say, I'm doing, exa- I'm doing exactly what God wants me to do and I'll continue like this. If I knew the rapture were coming, you shouldn't have to change anything because we are to live in the light of, of His coming for us. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, then you ought to be very, very frightened about that prospect. You ought to run to Him today, not, not delay. So if you knew the rapture was coming next week, what would you change in your life? Thanks for joining us today on Verse by Verse. We've been going through a very important and sobering series titled Birth Pains for the Kingdom. I hope this has been a challenge to you in your Christian life, and I hope you'll be with us next time for Verse by Verse. Let me also encourage you to tell a friend about the Verse by Verse program and where they can find it. See you next time.